Here's a few exciting scenes from tonight's episode of The Tom Gully Show. But by the time we get there, there ought to be no, absolutely no question in anybody's mind that there's some shady behind-the-back stuff going on with people that are in cahoots somewhere with the museum. You know, I'm John Morrow. I'll leap into the fray. I know what's right and wrong for everyone. Bull. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. It's time, America. Mr. and Mrs. North of South America, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. So sit back, buckle in, place your tray table in its upright locked position, and get ready for big time radio, friends. It's time for... Tuesday, September 16th, 2014, episode 212. I'm Tom Gully, and tonight on The Tom Gully Show, the controversy surrounding the thieves running the Jack Kirby Museum continues as we introduce you to a real scumbag, museum trustee and publisher John Morrow, a total walking slime ball. You'll learn how John magically inserted himself into a dispute that did not involve him and then profited from stealing someone's property. Then we'll look at the museum's frequently asked questions page that was supposed to unlock so many secrets, but unlocked so very few. It kind of shows they might not know the answers to some pretty basic questions. Finally, uh, the museum's tax information is partially here, and we'll go over that as well. Hey, kids, it contains an admission of business or family relationships among the trustees. Hey, big shocker there. What you want to bet it's on the business side, is in selling some T-shirts or some books. Huh? It's just more deplorable, dishonest, and devious behavior from the museum that's more of a shirt shack during our John Morrow is full of crap podcast tonight on the Tom Gully Show. You're listening to the Tom Gully Show. And what, what's, your, what's, your, what's your radio show? Where are your radio show hosts at? Where are your radio hosts? Where are you at? Where are you at? What's your, what's your show? What's it called? Is it the podcast that's non-existent? You know what? When it launches, can I be on? Can I be on? Please, 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 please. Sure thing, crazy lady. Just send an email to tom at thetomgullyshow.com. Boy, I have never met somebody with a more self-serving, pompous media blowhard that you give Rush Limbaugh a good name. Okay, tonight we're going to have to go... Uh kind of step-by-step here and cover this, man, this continuing thievery, outright theft of a man's property. And uh, tonight we're going to actually be able to fill in a few more of the blanks for you because of some documentation that we've gotten. Uh, But first, a quick recap. There's a guy by the name of Greg Theakston, and I'm going to tell you all about who he is because I think some of that's getting lost in some of this. And uh, Greg loaned a very famous comic book artist's museum. That artist is no longer with us, but he has a museum. His name is Jack Kirby. Uh, Greg loaned them about 3,000 very valuable pieces of comic book art. He says that was a loan in addition to about eight boxes of stuff he flat out gave them. I mean, just gave them out of the goodness of, here, have this. But these two and a half boxes, no. That story gets blown out because he loaned some other ones to another trustee of the museum, never got them back. And uh, that's where we're at. Greg says, these are mine. 
and you took them on a loan and never returned them. I haven't even gotten the scans you promised me. And since indeed you're in possession of all of these things, why didn't I get those? Uh, you know, so that's where we're at. That's the imbroglio. He says, I loaned them. They say, no, you didn't. You donated them. So first we're going to compare the magazine's press release. They issued a press release about a month ago. Uh, we're going to p- compare that to a blog posting by John Morrow, a museum trustee and a guy who's also liberated hundreds of Mr. Theakston's pieces of artwork for use in his own publications that he financially benefits from. So we'll get into that. Then we're going to look at the frequently asked questions section the museum recently added that was supposed to answer all the questions we provided them. And it will be no shock that it provided little to none of them. And then last, we're going to look at the tax information the museum has provided so far and some very revealing things regarding business relationships within the trustee group. But by the time we get there, there ought to be no, absolutely no question in anybody's mind that there's some shady behind-the-back stuff going on with people that are in cahoots somewhere with the museum because we're about to break that down, book, chapter, and first. But one thing, one thing that, that relates to kind of the um, atmosphere of the Kirby fandom, especially on Facebook, Look how many groups there are for Jack Kirby. There's, there's quite a few, and they're all closed. All of the groups are closed because none of these people can get along with each other because I don't think they can get along with themselves in the mirror, most of them, uh, especially the group that supports the museum. Some of the claims that they will make are just science fiction. Greg Theakston has claimed to be a blood member of the Kirby. Greg Theakston has eaten Jack Kirby. He ate him, his entire body, just devoured him whole. They'll say anything uh, that they can possibly say about Greg Theakston. And what I'd like to tell the Kirby people, and what I'd like to remind the trustees, and we can all see the trustees' background, Their background is readily available for us on the site. Okay, their accomplishments in the world. And these are the people that, let's just just look at it from the Kirby aspect. Greg worked hand-in-hand with Jack Kirby. I mean, he worked on Jack Kirby's work. Uh, He wasn't a guy that called him on the phone a whole bunch and asked him fanboy questions. No, he was an actual working peer. And I personally believe there are a lot of people associated with the museum who are jealous of that because they never will have that. So they want to diminish anybody who did have that because they're the real experts, you know, on Jack Kirby. Um, But to not diminish Greg Theakston, Greg became involved in the Detroit area fandom community and helped organize the Detroit Triple Fanfare while in high school and did that from 1970 to 1978, credited as one of the first conventions in the United States dedicated to comic books, eventually owning it after working on a dozen shows. He contributed to Detroit's fantasy fans and comic collectors group on their fanzine, The Fan Informer, for 68 to 71, as well as his own publication, The Aardvark Annual. He inked samples of Jim Starlin's early pencils, which helped Starlin gain his first work for Marvel Comics. Oh, but I'll continue. He moved with partner Carl Lundgren to upstate New York in 1972, where he began illustrating for Gent, Dude, and Nugget. He built his portfolio and expanded to paperbacks and magazines, including Berkeley Brooks, Dell, Ace, Zebra, Tor, St. Martin's Press, Warner, Ballantine Books, Belmont Tower, and Galaxy Science Fiction. He worked closely with Neil Adams at Continuity Associates between 72 and 79, producing animatics, storyboards, comic art, and various commercial advertising assignments. Among other various assignments were jobs for Marvel Comics, DC Comics, Image Comics, Warren Comics, New York Daily News, Archie Comics, 
as well as National Lampoon, The New York Times, Kitchen Sink, Playboy, TV Guide, Rolling Stone. Want to question this guy some more? Oh, skinless, accomplishmentless, except for publishing your own crap, trustees. He was a Mad Magazine illustrator for 10 years and has worked regularly with numerous comics publishers on projects such as Omega Men, Superpowers, DC Comics Presents, DC's Who's Who, and Planet of the Apes. Theakston's movie poster work includes Invaders from Mars, Silk Stockings, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, The Jungle Book, and Mogambo. He has seven, seven lithographs in the permanent collection of the Museum of Modern Art. Theakston founded and operated Pure Imagination, a comic book and magazine publisher since 1975. His biographical work includes an estimated 200,000 words on Jack Kirby, his longtime friend and work associate, 250,000 words on Betty Page, numerous pieces on great comic book artists and pop culture figures, And for other publishers, including Mad, Penthouse, and Playboy, his name has been given to a process called Theakstonizing, a term coined by DC Comics Editor-in-Chief Dick Giordano, which bleaches color from old comics pages used in the restoration for reprinting. To date, he has reconstructed over 12,000 pages of classic comic art, including work on Superman, Batman, Captain America, Green Lantern, The Flash, Porky Pig, The Spirit, The Human Torch, Submariner, Archie, Dick Tracy, Torchy, Pogo, and numerous collections of popular comic artists, including Jack Kirby, Alex Toth, Basil Wolverton, Steve Ditko, Frank Frazetta, Jack Cole, Lou Fine, Wallace Wood, and many others. He received the Sheldorf Torchbearers Award in 2010 for preserving the flame of the spirit of comics and carrying the torch forward in the comic industry. That's who Greg Theakston is. And let's not get lost in the shuffle of the losers and the thieves over at the Kirby Museum or their syncophants who want to forget all that. Who want to pretend this is just a guy named Joe that found some crap in his basement. Uh, that No, that's not who this is. All right? First of all, let's go through this Morrow blog posting up against the press release. All right. Now, I don't have to read you the whole press release. It's on KirbyMuseum.org. If you can find it, again, this website has been called a website. It's a blog, and its user experience is apparently created by a chimp. Because if you can find this press release, I'm going to tell you where it is. Because if I don't, you won't be able to find it. And if you ever go there and want to find it again, it will be conveniently lost as like a polar bear in the snow as the link will be grayed out. But it's along the left-hand side at the bottom of uh, that particular sidebar. It'll say uh, archive donor matter or something like that, which, you know, a hell of a great headline there. Uh, so go there and read it. It states three separate times that the, the, these photocopies that are at issue, uh, and all the other museum items that Greg donated, you know, all the other items of Greg's in the museum's possession are referred to as his property. Nowhere does it say these things that aren't his property that we now have. Not, nowhere does it indicate anything other than these are his property. So keep this in mind. In August of 2014, the museum, including trustee John Morrow, is saying these items are Greg's property. Nowhere on earth 
Does any discussion of it not being Greg's property exist in the public eye? Nowhere. Until Mr. Morrow's blog posting. Important to keep in mind that the museum's official position at that point was that it was Greg's property. I mean, that's what they've been saying all the way down the line. It's, it's his property, and he's not getting it, but he gave it to us. It's his property. He wants his property back. Even though they didn't do due diligence and in inventory and taking possession of this property, but nowhere in the public eye had this claim ever been made that it's not his property. Okay, right up till their big, haughty press release. Nowhere does it ever say that. Now let's just go through John Morrow's blog posting. Now what you're going to realize as we go through this is that John Morrow inserted himself into the middle of this photocopy issue the second Roz Kirby's corpse was cold. Then he did all he could to get his hands on them, or as many of them as he could. Why? Well, you're going to see that he had a distinct, it's, it's not even uh, veiled, a distinct financial interest in having these copies in his hands. And then you're going to hear how he's judge, jury, executioner, and he decided who they belong to. He's got no piece of paper in his hand. He's got no proof of anything. He's just got some stuff another guy gave him, and so now I get to pick who they belong to. Okay, so let's go through this blog posting of his because there's there's this, like giant screaming red flags through it. Um, he opens it up by talking about the issue and the fact that now he's got egg on his face because Greg's beating the drum of you took my stuff. And he goes through kind of the recap we all have to go through of why the photocopies are important and why they're so valuable. He gives his version of how Greg got a hold of these, which I don't believe is totally accurate. But even if it was, he leaves out a huge thing, which is the Kirby's called Greg up and said, we're giving away wall art to our friends. What do you want? He said, I would like the Xeroxes. They said, okay, that's the gift. He, he does not acknowledge that gift. It does not ever occur in the minds of the uh, museum supporters or the trustees of the museum. That's impossible. Never happened. Even though four separate occasions people have affirmed that that happened and people with skin in the game, by the way, not somebody like John Morrow who just happens upon it and calls himself, you know, I'm John Morrow. I'll leap into the fray. I know what's right and wrong for everyone. Bull. You'll see why he wanted them. And then he goes into Dave Stevens. And uh, several people have confirmed over the years that Roz told them the materials were only loaned to Greg and blah, 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 blah. Big deal. If they were hers, she could have sued him and got him back. She could have told 100 people 100 things. And by the way, some people can confirm things to you all they want. That doesn't make them true, particularly when those people are a gaggle of folks, desperate, fueled by their own inadequacy, knowing that somebody else had a much closer and stronger bond to their hero, uh, stir a bunch of, those don't belong to him. Hey, several people have confirmed that to me now. Will you, you recount one and conveniently the person whose account he, he gets is no longer with us. The late Dave Stevens. Now I'm going to point something else out and I don't know whether John Morrow is, is just mentally challenged or he thinks everybody is going to fall for his complete and utter wall of, of just absolutely transparent bullcrap. Look at the Dave Stevens transcript. Listen to the clip. Do you ever hear the words Greg or Greg Theakston or Theakston in them? Oh, I guess we'll just take the word of the guy who earlier in August said that these were Greg's property and is now creating an elaborate decades-long backstory as to why they're not. Which is it? You can't stick with the same story because you keep getting nailed down on the facts and say, oh, well, here's some uh, little maneuvering here. Let me throw in a dead guy's testimony. 
And let me just come up with some veiled references to some people that have confirmed things on online or wherever else I might have found them. Hey, uh, somebody with no skin in the game and no legal bearing told me that somebody that's no longer with us wanted something back that she could have directly asked from the person involved. You see how flimsy it is? How incredibly flimsy. I'm John Morrow. I begin asking people their opinion on the property, even though it was in someone else's possession, even though the people who gave it to him knew it was in their possession. I'm John Morrow. I took the liberty of contacting one of the people. Yeah, what a bunch of crap. Okay, so she passes away in 97. Suddenly, a very vocal fight escalated on the Kirby L internet mailing list. Okay, let's just take a step back from that for a second. Who cares? You and your little fanboys care about what happened on the Kirby L internet mailing list. See, to the rest of the world, that has absolutely no bearing. You and your little fishwives getting together and going bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. I know those aren't his. Yeah, see, that doesn't have any bearing to anybody ever, anywhere. Now, you guys, I'm sure your little model club probably thinks it's just about the most incontrovertible proof in the whole world, but it's not. And then we get into a phone conversation with Greg, which included this exchange, and he's got a transcript of it, but no no, uh, actual recording. So that means one of two things. You had a recording and you didn't include it, and I have to ask why. Or you're just recalling it from memory, and I'm not willing to trust your memory because you can't even remember between August and September that something was someone's property because it was sure as hell his property in the press release. But it only melts like butter when it's convenient for you. And it's another John Morrow uh, uh, trait that we'll all be familiar with shortly. So he, he recounts this conversation. And you know what? I also say to this conversation, who gives a crap? I don't believe it's true, but even if it was, what's what's it matter what he tells some jack-off like John Morrow over the phone? You can tell him anything he wants. Frankly, if some fanboy was calling me up, and by the way, I do get these kind of calls, oh, I make stuff up all the time. I'll just make things, eh, whatever. I'll just tell them what you want to hear and get them off the phone. Uh, That's just stuff. And it says you. Uh, And none of that stuff says it's not my property in in the John Morrow, Greg Little interchange. None of that stuff says you can have it. The online fight continued according to Morrow and on September 8th. Uh, in response to a Kirby L poster who suggested that the Xerox be copied in originals, he says, Greg says something else. Hey, that's an email thread. Anybody can say anything at any time in those. They're not binding. You got a big handful of crap here is what you got. With an, with an apparent resolution, things died down on Kirby L. Who gives a crap? Kirby L's your personal fan club. Nobody cares. But another four years went by with no action on Greg's part to return the Xeroxes to the Kirby's. Why should there be? I don't see one damn thing here that says he's gonna or that he's legally obligated to. I certainly don't hear the Kirby saying that. I hear one person saying that. And so on New Year's Eve 2002, with the approval of the Kirby family, I, John Morrow, attempted to mediate a solution. I sent Greg an email offering a resolution that, yeah, 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 that would involve his company scanning what Greg had borrowed. Huh. Huh. Then both Greg and the Kirbys would receive a set of the scans with the originals going back to the Kirby family. I don't buy that. Not for a second. Greg says he sent those to two morrows for him to use in publication, which he did. Notice how the resolution involved two morrows getting their hands on the stuff and scanning them. Notice how those items then found their way into his publications. Who here had a vested interest in something to gain? Who didn't? Pretty clear John Morrow had a lot to gain. Get himself in good with the Kirby family. 
or maybe he was just using their name. Who knows? Get the stuff from Greg. Get it into his publications. Why? What did Greg have to gain? Parting with his stuff? That doesn't make any sense. Why has John Morrow inserted himself into the middle of the dispute? I think we all know the Kirby's are pretty capable of picking up a phone and calling a lawyer. I think it's probably because they knew they didn't have a legal right to him. And I'm telling you right now, all of this shit that, that John Morrow has, has dumped on his blog, add it all up, bring it into a court of law, none of it's evidence that anybody owns anything. None of it. So basically, he got some stuff from somebody, decided what he wanted to have done with it based on conversations he had with third parties. I know he's got nothing signed that says, this is your stuff now. I'm giving this to you. They don't have any of that because Greg would have never signed it because it's his property. It was gifted to him. Okay, there's an email to Greg on this, and I quit, you know, I, I would repeat it, but it's all just John... Morrow telling Greg what they did and talked about. I mean, it's none of it is between John and Greg. It's all just, here's what I think. And here's what you did on this date. And this is what you said to me and blah, blah, blah. It's like a three-year-old going into a room and telling themselves a, a story about a magical walnut. And suddenly the magical walnut is real. It's, it's a one-sided conversation uh, that's coming from the mouth of a liar that's got like a million reasons to lie. He has zero reasons to insert himself into the middle of this issue, which there was no issue between the two parties involved. None. Find me something that says they're an issue. Find me a, a legal document. Go ahead. Find me something other than I talked to a dead lady and she told me so. It's a bunch of crap. Uh, he bitches about uh, freight being billed to his FedEx account. He wants Xeroxes, but I guess he wants Greg to pay for him. I don't know. Uh, why not? If you're going to steal, steal big. Um, now, this is this is interesting. I sent Greg another men, uh, message. Polite, uh, he, he, he inventories what Greg had sent. So he says, where's that inventory list? Did you provide it to Greg? I'm going to go ahead and say no. That's not part of your scene. And we'll just take your word that you inventoried it because, you know, you didn't inventory the full master list of all the other stuff he gave you, you know, and that's an abdication of like Museum 101. So if you're telling us that you inventory what he sent, I'm saying you're totally full of crap, like you're totally full of crap on everything else that you've claimed. But okay, let's say, for example, you had an inventory. It was clear he couldn't possibly have sent all the ones he had. Why is that clear to you? How did you how, how did you come to that conclusion? So he sent Greg another message, politely asking him to send the rest when he could. Greg never sent the rest, so no scans were sent to him, and that's it. Oh, so he wanted scans of all the stuff he sent you, and you were going to give them to him and the Kirby family, but since you didn't think he sent all of them, no, I'm just you're not getting your scans, I'm keeping your stuff, and that's it. Because I'm John Morrow. I'm John Morrow. I decide what's to be done here. How do you know those were all, weren't all the scans he had? You didn't. You just made some crap up and decided it was binding and acted upon it. And then he says, from there, Rand in the museum and enter the picture. I'll leave it to Rand to speak for what took place beyond this, except to say the Kirby estate is in possession of a letter from Greg dated September 2009, which Greg unequivocally states he has donated the materials to the museum. Hey, I am sure they have a letter that says he donated some things because he did donate eight boxes of stuff. Also, there's a certain concept that apparently the museum experts over at the Jack Kirby Museum are unaware of called donation on loan. You can donate items to a museum on loan, but let's forget that. That letter says he donated some things. Well, wait a minute. You just got done saying that he didn't have ownership. How could he donate them? Why is that a defense of yours? You can't sit on both sides of that fence. You can't say, oh, well, they were his property and he gave them to us while you are saying 
He stole them. They were never his property. And so now they're ours. Even though you have no signed documentation, you have no proof of any kind, and there is a mountain of proof that you took things from this man and are now not giving them back, and you have no proof that he gave them to you. None. By the way, where's this uh, letter that you guys keep uh, talking about? Where's that? Because nobody's seen it. For the record, all the photocopies that were sent to me by the Kirby's and by Greg are no longer in my possession and haven't been for several years. Two more, two morals long ago completed scanning what we had access to. And so wait, we got them. We got them in our books and we sent them off to who we thought they belonged to. Not the person that sent them to us. Let me ask another question here. Why wouldn't somebody really interested in resolving these with a clear pathway to the Kirby's merely have had Greg send them to the Kirby's? If that's the rightful owner, why did he need to be in the middle? If they wanted him scanned later, they could have always given them to him. Why did he have to get them? I'm going to tell you why. Because he wanted them in his publication, Kirby Collector. That's why. That's what this is all about. How can I get these exclusive things in my publication? Well, otherwise, somebody tell me why they had to go through him. I'll wait. Scans ain't going to cut it. Oh, I was scanning them. Yeah, right. You're the only mother in the whole world that could scan those. Why did you insert yourself? Why did the conversation come up with them constantly until like 2002 anyway, 2003? Why didn't you say anything in 2009 when you started getting all these items, which were clearly, in Greg's mind, his property? Why did you continue to assert that they were his property? Oh, by the way, I find one of their defenses absolutely hilarious. He allowed us to think that they were ours for five years by publishing that we had them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's his job to uh, monitor every communication the thieves make for eternity. Otherwise, it's his responsibility for not catching them. Uh, yeah. But his position now and always has been those Xeroxes were alone only, belonged to the Kirby family, not to me, not the museum. See, that's his position because he's got a little Internet group that solved that for everybody. Yeah, no, no, he talked to some people. No, 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 no. Screw the guy who says they were a gift from a dude he worked hand in hand with. And by the way, let's you want me to go back down Greg Thiexton's list of skins on the wall? A little more plausible to believe his story than, oops, they were his, but now they're not anymore. But my position is, this it always has been, except for that uh, uh, press release that came out less than a month ago. How do you square that, John? How do you square the his property, his property, his property, his property, all over your press release with now, oh, whoa, 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 wait, 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 those never belong to him. No, no. No, no, no. You're a lying sack of crap. You're a duplicitous, self-serving, uh, you know, there's just absolutely no integrity, no ethics, None. Everybody that deals with you should know they're dealing with a backstabbing, two-faced, walking piece of slime. Because that's what you are. Look at this story you fabricated based nothing on, on nothing but your own hubris and a pack of lies. You cannot even begin to post this rambling lie if you've issued that press release that states it's his property, his property, and then all of these unverifiable, un absolutely, well, his, his whole argument is built on, on straw because he doesn't have a single person with skin in the game on his side. His whole story is I barged into something that didn't directly involve me, talked to another bunch of third-party hacks and ass-kissers. We decided amongst ourselves... Uh, what ownership was for all these parties and are now acting accordingly. Good luck with that in a court of law. Good luck with that. It's called a chain of possession. 
Jeez. Okay, let's move on to the next issue here, which is, oh my goodness, the frequently asked questions. Now, I issued some questions here. We're going to be going over those questions. It's not going to take very long. Frequently Asked Questions came out from the museum. You can go to their Frequently Asked Questions page, which is really just a rehashing of crap that was on other pages. There's a little bit of new information, but all of that information could have been found elsewhere on the page. It's just kind of warmed up and uh, served over. And uh, so I'll go down the questions that I had for the museum. I was assured that the museum would be able to answer these questions by the museum's media contact. I also was assured by countless media professionals that this should have been a no-brainer. Easy schmeasy. Like they, these should have been tip of the finger, tip of the tongue stuff that they would know. Question number one, how many days or weeks during the last five years has the museum physically been open to the public at regularly scheduled times without appointment? Unable to answer. Couldn't answer that one. Now, they've made a veiled references to their pop-up museum. They draw it like a gun, but you can never really tell how often it's been up or what. I mean, they keep saying our big week on the Lower East Side in 2013. Okay, one week. And, and, they won't, and I couldn't even get when did it open and close during that week. I mean, I just wanted to know how many days or weeks during the last five years can people actually see the artwork in its three dimensions? Otherwise, they should be scanning all of this artwork and returning it, right? If it's a digital museum, right? Anyway, couldn't answer that one. Uh, question two, where are the museum artifacts stored? And I didn't mean location, obviously, uh, but what kind of structure, residential, commercial office, et cetera, and are they all stored in one location? Uh, that question actually was answered. And apparently they are all in a commercial storage safe, you know, uh, temperature controlled environment. But that's all they said. Um I assume that means a storage area. But we didn't get any more than that. Is it a special storage area for our, you know, artifacts and all this other stuff? Well, uh, question number three, what precautions have been taken to make certain the items are being stored at the optimum temperature and humidity? And that one's not answered. Uh, the fact that they are in a climate-controlled atmosphere does not say a word about, you know, because the museum should know what the optimum temperature and humidity for those documents are. And I know somebody who does, and that's Greg Theakston. So that one was not answered. Question four, are all the museum's artifacts stored individually, sleeved, and prepared for preservation? That was not answered as well. Uh, which that would have been an easy one to, to answer. I can tell you right now the, that the fact that is not answered leads me to believe that they are not all individually stored. So there's stuff in stacks. And you know what happens when paper gets stacked. I mean, we didn't even know if there's, uh, you know, onion skin paper between each sheet or anything like that. I mean, it's just, just trust us. Uh who is the museum's expert in the preservation, restoration, and storage of rare documents and or artwork? Unanswered. Uh, Rand Hoppy has been listed as the curator and also as the executive director, I believe. Um, if you go to the American uh, Museum Curators Association's uh, guidelines, one of the biggest guidelines they have is regarding conflict of interest. And you can almost, it almost reads as a description of Rand Hoppy and John Morrow's relationship with the museum. I mean, it says uh, extreme discretion must be shown in, in these areas of, of conflict of interest. And one of them was collecting the same things the museum does, uh, doing business in the same area that the museum does. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. Uh, anyway, that's their, their list of uh, stuff. And, uh, of course, they always want items inventoried right off the bat, too. They're crazy. Uh, 
Does the museum have a master list of all artifacts, including how the item was procured, the date of procurement, the date the item was created, contributors to the creation of the work, date of appearance, publication where appropriate, type of media, differentiation between published and unpublished works and designation for loans or donations? And that also was unanswered. So I assume there is no master list of all artifacts, uh, which goes to you're not a museum. Sorry. Uh, question number seven, the final question, how many items in the museum's possession are donations and how many items have been loaned to the museum? They could not answer that. And I'm going to assume that that number would be staggeringly like whatever number of items they have to zero. I'm going to assume they've said nothing here is a loan. Nothing. Unless of course the Kirby family stuff is a quote unquote loan, uh, but we don't even know that relationship. For all we know, the Kirby family owns the museum uh, because there's a business relationship between the members of the, the trustees and stuff. So we, we were told these frequently asked questions, which should have been answered easily by any museum. We're going to satisfy all of our questions. Not only did they not satisfy them, they didn't answer six out of the eight. Not even close. And we've got more questions coming up. I've asked even more questions. Um, but again, I, I did not anticipate that they would have answers to any of these questions. And I'll keep in mind, John Morrow and his pompous blog posting, who's wants to be trusted as this like bastion of here's what happened. Here's the facts. I'm John. Mo I'm John Morrow. I did this. I leaped into the fray. Little girl, I couldn't help but knowing, notice you're chewing that sandwich a little too quickly. I took the liberty of contacting your mother and your dietitian. Um, that guy, okay, the guy that, that it's not, you know, it's his property and then suddenly, oh no, he never owned it. Um, that guy wants you to, to kiss his ass because it's a museum and look at all the stuff that a museum does that they can't do. Number one, inventory all the items before taking possession and have them signed off on. That's why there's this fracas. Of course, John Morrow wouldn't have wanted that done. You know why? Because he knew Greg wanted that stuff back. And he knew he was in a jam with his buddies because he, he's got to keep that Kirby family happy or he doesn't have a publishing company anymore. If he can't publish that work. Yeah. So he never wanted that master list. No, no, no. It's a lot easier just to give him piecemeal and then later on go, I don't know what happened. It's ours now. So that's the guy. Even though they can't tell you, you know, uh, all sorts of stuff, can't tell you how many days in the last five years the museum's been physically open to the public. Can't tell you what precautions have been taken to make sure they're at the right temperature and humidity. Can't tell you. Uh, if all of the items are individually stored, can't tell you if they're sleeved and preserved for preservation, can't tell you who the museum's expert is in preservation, restoration, and storage of rare documents and artwork. I mean, I could go down the list. Museum that can't do any of those things. <coughs> Sorry, talking about John Morrow always makes me want to <clears throat> throw up in my mouth a little bit. That's the guy that wants you to take him seriously on the backstory. It's got so many holes in it, you know, it could pose as Swiss cheese. No, no, believe that guy, the guy with no vested interest in getting his hands on that artwork, who then put it in all of his publications. Oh, gee, what, what possible financial information? Oh, gee, there's no vested interest for him. Uh, and continued uh, ass-kissing of the Kirby family. Okay, we're going to go over the 1023 document that I got back, which is a little confusing, but not that confusing. There's some stuff that wasn't included in it, and it's only confusing because I haven't gotten the 10, uh, the uh, not 1099, uh, the 990 forms. Uh, was you know the actually the museum is complying earlier. They they didn't have to have this to me until much later. Uh, I think about three weeks maybe or something like that. Um, but they got it to me ahead of time, so. Uh, I don't have the 990 forms. I got sent to the filing information, but not the actual forms. Everybody's asleep now. Um, we see from the tax information that the, uh, you know, they're located in Hoboken. They've got a tax ID number they incorporated in 2005. Um, now, here's the first thing that, that raised my eyebrows. Have you adopted bylaws? 
If yes, attach a current copy showing date of adoption. And they say yes, but the bylaws are not attached here. And so I've asked for those because I'd like to see those bylaws. Um, it's got some attachments here in addition to that one, which were not attached. It describes them, but it, but they're not here. It gives the, uh, the little section that's, that's the most important compensation and other financial arrangements with your officers, directors, trustees, employees, and independent contractors. And, and the three people listed are, uh, Randolph Hoppy, um, secretary and treasurer, uh, Lisa Kirby, the chair, and then John Morrow, the vice chair. Okay, and that'll become important here right now because the next question is, are any of your officers, directors, or trustees related to each other through family or business relationships? If yes, identify the individuals and explain the relationship. They have yes, but the identification and the explanation was not attached, so I've asked for that. Uh, do you have a business relationship with any of your officers, directors, or trustees other than through their position as an officer, director, or trustee? If yes, identify the individuals and describe the business relationship with each of your officers, directors, or trustees. And that is also yes. So that information was not disclosed, okay? And we need to see that because uh, as a matter of law, if that stuff is Greg's, and two people that have a business interest with each other to get those back kind of pull a fast one. Uh, that's not going to look good for your little museum. That's all I have to say. Do you or will the individuals that approve compensation arrangements follow a conflict of interest policy? And they say, yes. Well, that policy is not included here. So we need to see that. Um, and it, do you or will you record in writing the decision made by each individual who decided on or voted on these compensation arrangements and uh, all that? Uh, we also need to see if these people have minutes. Um, now, they should. The minutes of the trustees, those should. If I donated to the museum, I would want to see him. Another question here is, have you adopted a conflict of interest policy consistent with the sample conflict of interest policy in Appendix A to the instructions? If yes, provide a copy of the policy and explain how it's been adopted. Da, 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 da. And they put no here. So they didn't adopt a conflict of interest policy consistent with the sample one. They have another. So it would be beneficial to see that given the three people you got Rand Hoppy who stole from Greg. You got John Morrow who stole from Greg. And you got Lisa Kirby who never, ever once took Greg to court over this. There's no dispute between the Kirbys and Greg at all. They go through some ways they're going to solicit and they get into their purpose, which is educational in nature. Uh, folks, and, and I've heard your emails and I've seen your postings, uh, I, too, wonder whether perhaps a little grassroots campaign challenging their educational status might not be worth some time because without question, there's little to no education being being done here. Uh, there's a lot of T-shirt sales. Now, this is where it gets confusing in terms of their income. They don't make enough to have to file one of these 1023s every year. They're now filing 1099 note cards. I didn't get copies of those yet, and those probably would have taken over in around 2009, and uh, that's when the tax information that I have ends. I, I'm looking at their tax information from 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008. The most they made in any of those years, as you might imagine, their first year, they only... Uh, uh, grossed about, uh, let me see here. Oh, it looks like they brought in about $770. They had an expenditure of 207. Uh, the next year looks like they got them about, uh, 446. $4,496, so a little short of $4,500, and spent about $500 in expenses and a little extra in professional fees. Um, so there's that year. They dropped down in 2007 to $2,400 in uh, revenue, 
and then uh, 2008 jumped back up to 6,500, and that's all we have. So for those four years, they made 14,206 dollars, and uh, I guess at this point they had about uh, 4,020 dollars in cash on hand. Um, I'll have to look into this a little more. I haven't really poured over these tax documents and um, they do require a little analysis. I'm really good at analyzing them because of a job I used to have. So those are just a few things we've gotten from the 1023, but we really need to know what the relationship between these uh, trustees is. I mean, that's a little on the shady side, if you ask me. Uh, hi, we're all trustees in this museum, but we all kind of are in bed on the business side. And gee, I wonder why we're all going out to cons and selling t-shirts and crap. And I wonder why, um, a guy who had nothing to do with the dispute, but he's got a publishing company has to insert himself in the middle of this whole thing. How's that happen? Why does that happen? And now suddenly, why has this almost totally unconfirmable story pop up just just suddenly after all the scrutiny comes the way of the museum and they've issued a press release, which flat out there's no. And that's another thing. There's nowhere else in the public eye where John Morrow has ever said he doesn't own this stuff ever. He's cobbling together, uh, you know, attributeless quotes from dead people. What's that tell you? Hey, I got a clip here from a dead guy. A lot of his key witnesses are no longer with us. There's some stuff we do know. Greg had a whole bunch of pencil Xeroxes that were given to him. They were put in his possession by the Kirbys. And we know that four times he was challenged on that before Ross passed on. Each of the four times, everyone was satisfied, except for John Morrow. Then Roz dies, and now suddenly he gets to take up the cause and rush to all the family members, and, oh, I've got this, you know, nip, nip, nip at the heels to do. Does that make sense that a guy would do all that unless he wanted something? Doesn't to me. And then when you find out that those items found their way into his publications... That just doesn't pass a smell test, not by a million miles. Especially when the guy just a month earlier said, nope, that, that, that was his property. But now, no, it's not his property, even though I've never publicly said that anywhere that anyone can ever find anywhere on earth, period, end of sentence. Uh, although I do have a lot of conversations on my personal pet email uh, group and some uh, message boards, the all binding standard gold standard of information of course uh, but it does reflect how just amazingly self-absorbed these museum people and their supporters are well the kirby l group of course uh looked into it and they judged him guilty so i'm afraid uh, you don't want to go to court of law the much flimsier standard for truth and evidence that the people involved saw fit to not avail themselves of. You know, John Morrow and Rand Hoppy are the reason people wipe. Yeah. So, folks, uh, remember, it's hashtag uh, return Greg stuff uh, and make sure and, and hammer that baby. Uh, when we find out when the next convention is, these guys are going to be at, trust me, we will uh, mobilize and hashtag bomb that like no tomorrow. They shouldn't be allowed to sell one stick of merchandise ever again. They are duplicitous, thieving scum of the earth. Using Jack Kirby's name to liberate people from their property for their own personal gain. We're going to update you with anything else that happens on this. And uh, I may be visiting some cons. I may be taking a trip to Hoboken very soon. We'll be back after the break. The following is a public service announcement from The Tom Gully Show. Due to recent events, we are compelled to pass along this warning for listeners of The Tom Gully Show. Tragically, over the past few weeks, a pattern of alarming occurrences has befallen listeners who have failed to support the program via social media. For example, 
a Margaret D. from Indianapolis was struck down with chronic incurable sudden flatulence after ignoring an opportunity to like the Tom Gully Show Facebook page. Similarly, a Chuck L. of Richardson, Texas, was horrified to find that a sphincter opening had replaced his mouth after plagiarizing a Twitter posting from the show. A Marjorie H. of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, passed on a chance to join the TomGullyShow.com via Google Plus and her dog Mimsy subsequently exploded. And both Zachary J. and Ted R. of Doylestown, Pennsylvania, sent nasty emails to Tom at the TomGullyShow.com and subsequently saw their genitalia blacken, shrivel, and fall off in the shower. Don't let this happen to you. Like the Tom Gully Show on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Atomic Palooka, and join and subscribe with links at thetomgullyshow.com. Email the program via tom at thetomgullyshow.com, and when you do, good things will happen. Thank you. The preceding has been a public service announcement from the Tom Gully Show. like to thank John Morrow for being such a lying, stealing, sniveling, no-talent scumbag that we had to do a whole episode on him. Oh, and John, just because you may have downloaded this episode does not mean the museum or you own it now, regardless as if you like know Jack Benny and, uh, you know, you heard me like use a verb in a sentence that he did you don't you don't then get to go back to the jack benny airs and you know like you do weasel your way into something well after the fact scumbag i mean just in case your miserable sticky fingered ass was wondering this is my podcast. It's not yours now just because we said Jack Kirby in it. And by the way, I might also mention to all of these little, well, never mind. Folks, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share this on your various Facebook pages. Trying to spread the word means trying to spread our little show here. We'd appreciate it if you'd like the Tom Gully Show, not me. No, no, but the show on Facebook, too, if the mood strikes you. And, of course, there's always the TomGullyShow.com place, internet way thing, area. That's where you can find out everything about the show. There's the Tom Gully Show store. And some of you haven't been buying enough things there because if, if, if I keep pushing the fact that I have T-shirts to sell, incidentally, my T-shirts are way cooler than yours, uh, Kirby Museum. And there's a lot more of them to pick from. Um, then I'm a museum. If I sell, if I can just like hawk this stuff nonstop, 24-7, then I'm a museum. Woohoo! Strike up the orchestra music. And, of course, we always encourage you to subscribe to iTunes with our show for free. Because if it's free, it's for me. And if it's free, John Morrow will steal it and then claim, oh, well, that stuff I said was your property about a month ago. Yeah, I'm going to say now it never belonged to you at all. But I'm you know, going to give you a letter that says it's your property and thank you for it. But uh, I've known for 17 years it's not your property. I'm that ethical. Follow us on Twitter at Atomic Palooka 2 so I can increase my clout and cred ratings because if I get enough points, we're all going to go to the aces. That'll do it for tonight. I'm out of here. I got to go talk to some people. I'll talk to you much later. Each and every glorious night, Jay Johnson, ah, sweet, clean Jay Johnson, he takes us in with the truth wagon. Go to jjohnsonmusic.com. And each night, taking us out is the man of the large chapeau, Mr. Russell Alexander, the hitman himself, and his band, the Hitman Blues Band, take us out each night Oh, with Catch-22 Blues. 
Angel in the Shadows, Green Thing, uh, anything off of Blues Enough. I could go on and on and on. Hitman Blues Band, check them out at hitmanbluesband.net or hitmanbluesband.com. One of those two pages, if you sign up for their email list, they'll give you nine. That's right, nine, 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 nine. That's right, nine. It's the German word for no. It's also the number of songs you're going to get from them for free. And these are awesome, awesome blues songs, daddy-o. So get them. And that'll do it. That's a good, that's, man, I'm shilling tonight. That's a good plug. Uh, that'll do it for tonight. And we will, and by the way, Kirby Museum, you guys are scumbags. Total scum. I probably have already covered that. Uh, we'll see you next time. Well, the bucket lifts a twig for a dog that's nothing big, but he don't want to. And the dog can't grab a cat A raccoon can do all that But he don't want to And I dream of you at night While you hold your baby tight But he don't want you You can see it in his eyes From the way he tells you lies